This week we look through all the buzz around the new sports JV from Disney, Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery to understand the service's opportunity and its likely impact on the TV market. Listen now. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and Colin Dixon from Inscreen Media is with me, of course. And Colin, Super Bowl, just a few days away. Got the hometown Niners in there. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I think uh, the pundits have Kansas City ahead. I think they're, they're, they're favoring Kansas City, but I'm pretty good. I think the Purdy, Bosa, Ayuk, and McCaffrey are going to do pretty well. I, I expect to see Nick Bosa get a few sacks, and Ayuk and McCaffrey get a few touchdowns. So I, a few touchdowns, okay? Yeah, a few oh touchdowns. yeah, yeah. Heard it I here think first. it's. I think it's going to be a really good game, though. Whatever happens, I agree. I think it's going to be a great game, and um, very much looking forward to it. I don't have any horse in this race, but I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, me too. But many, uh, we have a great topic for a discussion today. But before we get to that, we're going to do our news stories, right? We are, and um, you are going to get us started. So buried in the Fox Corp results this week were some updates on how Tubi is doing. And i got to tell you, Will, I'm this service is really doing well. I think it's the leading fast service, at least if we believe what Fox Corp is telling us. Uh, the company said that it saw a 62% increase in viewing time and a 17% spike in advertising revenue for Q4 2023. Now, that spike in advertising revenue wasn't enough to rescue the collapse of the traditional advertising revenue for Fox. They still ended up on the, on the negative side. But I tell you, 17% is pretty good. They also said that the, the service now has about 78 million um, monthly active users, MAUs. And just a note, there's no standard for this, so we don't go comparing mails across services because you're not sure if it's uh, you're comparing the same thing. But anyway, they said they have 78 million, and they are they streamed 2.5 billion streaming hours in Q4, which I multiplied out and comes to about 20 minutes a day per monthly average user, which is pretty good. And they said they set a record for December. 80, 855 million hours in December alone. So Tubi really seems to be hitting it out the park. I know it's a service I use and I'm pretty happy with it. I like the ad load. I think is pretty reasonable. The streaming quality is good and it seems to be all favorable looking for the service going forward. Yeah, that Tubi deal seems like it's worked out really well for Fox. It, I think it's single-handedly given Fox a streaming strategy, Will, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Although, of course, what we're going to be talking about today, uh, that, that's another iron in the fire, I suppose, for, this, for, for the company. But uh, yeah, it's done great for it. Yeah, well, let's shift gears and talk about another growth story, which was that um, this week, YouTube's head, Neil Mohan, wrote a blog post about priorities for 2024 
And in that, he provided an update on the number of YouTube TV subscribers. And we know that YouTube has been relatively quiet about reporting subscriber numbers. The last time it came out with them was back in mid-2022. And now they're up to uh, 8 million. So 8 million subscribers is about a uh, increase of 3 million in the past 18 months since they last reported in mid-2022 when they were at about 5 million. So even while the rest of the pay TV industry has contracted during that time, a topic that we've talked about many times in the podcast, YouTube TV has continued to expand. And Neil didn't specify any real, with any detail, what accounted for the growth, but certainly Sunday Ticket was a deal that was put in place during the time. I would note that I see a lot of YouTube TV advertising everywhere, particularly in sports um, event, sports uh, events. There's a lot of um, a lot of YouTube TV um, sp- uh, support there. So, and you know, last but not least, it's a great product. I've had it for uh, a number of years now, and have always really been been impressed with it. And um, you know, the latest little innovation that they came out with is the multi-view uh, picture-in-picture service for sports first um and that'll probably unfold to other types of uh programming as well but it seems like they're doing pretty well uh, with youtube tv he also noted that um on the youtube side youtube now has three million partners and uh, creators and its youtube partner program has paid out 70 billion dollars to creators to date also that there is a billion hours of YouTube content consumed on TVs daily. And I would think that that makes YouTube the biggest content uh, provider in connected TVs of any of them. Um, Possible that Netflix is bigger than that. Uh, But I would think that YouTube may be number one, maybe they're number two right up there with Netflix. But they've obviously uh, been very successful in pushing YouTube consumption over to the big screen. They have, and uh, let's not forget, they're not paying a nickel for the creation of that content. So (laughs) that's a huge advantage they have over other companies like Netflix. I tell you, when when I saw this, Will, it had me scrambling for my spreadsheet because the sort of consensus number among analysts was that YouTube TV had about six, six and a half million subscribers. So this was a big change. And uh, I have a feeling that particularly in the last quarter uh, or maybe the tail end of Q3, that NFL Sunday ticket has had a huge impact because Santana was estimating that it had added 1.3 million subscribers to NFL Sunday ticket. And when you look at it, you know, if, if you're uh, an NFL, NFL fan, you just wanted to probably buy this as part of YouTube TV because you want your locals anyway to watch the game. So if you've got YouTube TV, you get it at a substantial, you get NFL Sunday, Sunday ticket at a substantial discount. So I have a feeling that quite a few of those 1.3, maybe the majority of those 1.3 million subscribers also are subscribers to YouTube TV. So, you know, that's um, that was, I think, a big thing for it that helped drive it to 8 million in Q4. 
Yeah, and they've certainly their success flies in the face of the you know pretty stiff um, headwinds blowing in the uh, pay TV industry. So, got to give them credit. And what their number two uh, virtual uh, competitor is Hulu with live TV, right? And they've been pretty much stuck at around four and a half million or so now. Yeah, for yeah, like it, a year or so. Yeah, and in fact, will this? I, I was scrambling for my spreadsheets to to update my um, my trackers features, which 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 keeps track of a lot of this. And I did this knowing that Disney would report Hulu on Tuesday, and I knew that Disney would report on Wednesday. But luckily, there was no change in Hulu Live subscribers. It was 4.6 again, which is the same as what it was last quarter. And, and it's really been sort of stuck at four, four and a half million subscribers for quite a while. So not very much growth going going on there really there are only two of the virtual mvpds now that have shown any decent growth at all and that's of course youtube tv and fubo fubo continues to grow very very strongly so uh, although again what we're going to talk about right now could could change things for fubo right yeah and um that's the new sports streaming venture uh, announced by Disney, Fox, and WBD this week. A lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to try to parse through it here, and uh, you're going to at least, you're going to kick us off at least with a um, kind of a framework for how to try to understand this new venture. Yeah, and not much, they, they have really haven't given very many details, Will. What is clear is that a whole bunch of channels that are currently locked inside of traditional pay TV bundles or virtual MVPD bundles that carry sports are coming out and going into this JV. Um, and the, this, the sort of consensus number for the subscription to this thing is $40, $45, something like that a month. And that it will be available, it looks like, you know, quite quickly with, with you know, before the end of the year, certainly, and maybe in Q3. Where basically we're going to see all of those, uh, as I said, all of those channels that are inside the cable bundle will be in this subscription. They're, they're going after call cutters. Uh, Bob Iger in the Disney call on, th- uh, on Wednesday said several times that this is the objective with this with this bundle that there's a whole bunch of people now who've walked away completely from the pay television bundle whether it be uh, through cable or through a virtual mvpd they've walked away from that and they want to offer something so that these people continue can continue to watch their sports Uh, so that's the objective of this Uh, Iger is pretty confident that he is going to make as much money for his channels from this JV as he does currently through traditional pay TV said exactly that he said that uh, the the company does receive as much money from subscribers in this bundle as they do from subscribers in a traditional pay TV bundle or a virtual MVPD bundle uh, so it, he he sees it as being revenue neutral. I'm not sure I agree with him, but we'll get into that, I suppose. So that's the sort of shape. That's what we've heard. Uh, did did I miss anything? I don't think so. I mean, I think a, maybe a good place to start the discussion is picking up on what you just said a moment ago about 
who the joint venture, what types of viewers the joint venture is targeting. And, um, you know, one reaction that I had was that when, as you just said, when Iger says that they're going after sports fans who may have cut the cord, it feels like, I mean, we've always, I think all of us in the industry have always agreed that the last firewall for pay TV uh, was sports and also kind of to a lesser extent news. And so on the one hand, one would think that the, you know, sports fans, you know, particularly hardcore sports fans, super fans, uh, are still subscribing to pay TV, which then raises the question, how many of them would shake loose to go to this sports bundle or how many of them have already shaken loose from the pay TV world and uh, have been casting about for some type of a super sports bundle like what this is. And I guess I'm... I don't know what the numbers would be, but it seems like the hardcore sports fans would still be a part of a pay TV service and um, getting their sports that way and wouldn't necessarily be drawn to this. What, what What's your take? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think a lot of the hardcore, a lot of the people that have already cut the cord probably weren't that interested in sports anyway. If they were, they'd have had to have stayed a pay TV right. subscriber, right? So I'm not sure I agree with, with Bob Iger on this at all. I don't think that there's much ground to be made there. I mean, we're, we're talking $40, $45 a month, which is more expensive than any other streaming service out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, frankly, why would, why would somebody who had learned to live without those sports want to subscribe. I mean, they may pick up a few people. Um, This isn't for cord cutters or or, uh, cord nevers, Will. This is going to cause cord cutting. I think, as you say, it's the last bastion of the the pay TV bundle. And if now all of these channels are available outside of it, then, well, why do I need to stick around and pay $110 for these this pay TV bundle when I can pay $45, get all my sports, and I'm already paying for Netflix and Peacock or whatever anyway, I, I get to save a bunch of money. So it, to me, it sounds like the sort of final nail in the coffin of the traditional pay TV bundle and that, you know, there really is no backstop at all left. Right, although before you can extend that argument too far it's of course important to remember that the sports that are carried on nbc universal and on cbs are not going to be a part of this venture at least not yet anyway who knows that could change so to the extent that you're a um, sports fan and you want to have access to you know super sports fan you want to have access to all this um, you're, you're probably going to be better off continuing to just subscribe to pay t- to a pay TV service, particularly like a YouTube TV or maybe a Fubo, something like that, and get all the sports plus regional sports networks that aren't necessarily included in either of these, any of these bundles, any right. of these services. Right. Um, and then also, you know, don't forget that there's still, there's still a whole other universe of cable TV networks and broadcast TV networks out there that a lot of people are interested in, and particularly when you're in, you know, family type environments and young kids who want Disney or others who want, you know, news channels, et cetera. So I'm very interested in learning more about kind of how they're 
sizing the total addressable market for this joint venture and um, what it's really going to mean, what the impact is really going to be for the pay TV uh, industry. Yeah, I agree, Will. And, you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Peacock and Paramount Plus. You know, you can you can subscribe to those guys for what, six, seven bucks with ads, maybe eight bucks. So you end up 45 plus 16. So you're still at 60, 61, 62. And you've got pretty much all the sports, but not your local RSN. But then again, most of the RSNs are freeing up now. They're also they're also the local games can be subscribed to directly online or or even watched for free on an antenna. So the tether really has been cut. The interesting thing is that I think this has a pretty big impact on the virtual MVPDs because that's, you know, people that want to switch to streaming, save a little bit of money, have been turning to folks like YouTube TV and Fubo TV. And this particularly impacts Fubo because Fubo has been so much focused on sports. And I tell you, they're not happy about it. I got an email uh, from their PR group and uh, this was basically passing comment on on the on this joint venture, and they were raising the specter of they consider this anti-competitive. I'm going to quote from the from the email. They said this joint venture spotlights a concerning trend, where an alliance with significant market share, reportedly controlling 60 to 80 percent of all sports content, could dictate market terms in a manner that may not serve the broader interests of consumers. So, you know, who knows where that will go, Will, but uh, I I think there's some truth to what they're saying there. But clearly, Fubo is very, very concerned. And interestingly, on the call, uh, Bob Iger was asked pretty directly, well, what about Hulu Live? Doesn't Hulu Live do pretty much what this JV does because Hulu Live has all of those channels? And Hulu, I think Hulu Live is about 70 bucks these days. So it's only, you know, $25 more than the reported amount that this might go for. And I got to tell you, Iger, his reply to this was extraordinary. He said of Hulu Live, it just happens to be attached to Hulu. And then he went on to say it competes with the new JV. And Really, it sounds like Iger doesn't care at all about Hulu Live, that he's much more interested in the new JV or, you know, I guess people subscribing through to traditional pay TV. It sounds to me like Hulu Live is an orphan, has become an orphan within Disney's DC universe. Right, and let's not forget that Disney just paid Eight billion, I think eight billion dollars, about eight billion dollars to Comcast to buy out their share, and certainly part of that value was ascribed to Hulu with live TV. So it sounds like there could be yet another shift in strategy coming from Disney, and and then yet the next thing that's going to happen, as we learned on the earnings call, is that the ESPN direct to consumer service is now slated to launch in launch by uh, around August of 25. So, you know, call it a year and a half from now, give or take. Um, and with the existence of the JV, one has to ask, what is the, how, how is the pricing going to work for all these various services? The, the number that's always been thrown around, and, you know, I don't want to put too much stock in it, but it's always been thrown around as kind of the minimum that 
uh, ESPN would have to charge for direct consumer service to make it break even with what it earns from its pay TV uh, relationships is about $40 per month. Well, if the JV is going to charge, you know, around 40 to 50 per month and is going to include all these other channels that uh, beyond ESPN, then it raises the question what whether there's enough value for just ESPN at $40 per month when you can get ESPN plus everything else for call it 45 or $50 per month. So that's yet another, I think, moving target here for, for Disney. Price is one thing, Will, but the other thing is how do you differentiate this DTC product from the bundle? Um, clearly it's going to have to be partly by price. So you put a ceiling on the price at $45. It clearly can't be that. It must be significantly cheaper. But uh, Bob Iger was asked pretty directly about this in the call, and he said that, oh, it will be it will be significant differentiation. He said it'll have a whole bunch of features that the JV doesn't have, and he called out betting, interactive features, stats as some examples of those. He also said that they would aggressively bundle it with Hulu and Disney Plus. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it seems to be slotting right in there with that bundle. Now, the good thing, of course, for Disney is that it's wholly owned by it will wholly own that that uh, ESPN DTC block. So there'll be no question about who owns the ads, who gets the revenue, etc. But I really do. I mean, the positioning this, how do you position it against that DTC? I, I just don't know now. The sports fan, a sports fan's going to go for the JV, probably, right? Because they're going to want all those sports if they don't already have a traditional pay TV subscription. If you have one or a virtual MVPD, you already have ESPN. And I don't think the interactive features are going to be that interesting to you. So, kind of, who does that leave? Uh, more casual sports viewers? Are they really going to be interested in betting and sports stats? Is that going to be enough to make them at it? So, I feel like the JV has sort of skewed what ES, what Disney can do with the ESPN D2C service world, don't you? Yeah, it's been so much hype over the years about the e what an ESPN DTC service would be, when it's going to come out, etc. And it seems like they've now made this decision to slot this JV in before ESPN DTC comes out. And as you just said, kind of raising the bar in a variety of different ways for what it has to do in order to be successful. So I was a little bit surprised. Disney was the one that surprised me the most being a part of this new JV. But obviously, they you know feel that there's a big enough target market out there for this type of service, and maybe they I don't know maybe part of their calculation is that it softens the market for the ESPN DTC uh, introduction as well, gets more people thinking about streaming sports instead of taking them uh, taking it uh, viewing it through um, traditional pay TV. It's it's hard to say. It's a little. It caused me a little bit of a double take when I first read this, and I do by the way the Fubo. A complaint, I think, is legitimate too. I, I would not be surprised to see some type of a regulatory challenge on this uh, JV as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The last part of it for me, Will, was uh, ESPN Plus. Where does this leave ESPN Plus, which has been moderately successful, although I will note it lost subscribers in Q4, uh, which is, the, I think, the first time it's lost subscribers. And it seems to me like this is kind of the orphan product 
it doesn't really seem to have a place in a world where there's an ESPN proper DEC service. So uh, my feeling here is that it'll end up getting rolled into ESPN when the ESPN thing, actually the big thing, does launch. It, it feels like, remember when Max relaunched after being HBO Max, it relaunched as Max and rolled in a whole bunch of Discovery content. You then, you've got Discovery Plus and you've got Max and the objective I think was to get a lot of people that were on Discovery Plus into Max and I think that's probably been successful. They certainly don't talk about Discovery Plus very much. Uh, so I think that's sort of that situation where they'll keep ESPN Plus going for a little bit and you know basically work hard to transition people into ESPN D to C and then just you know it just gets rolled in and becomes all one thing and in fact um, Disney uh, Iger said something to the effect he said that step one was ESPN plus implying that step two was ESPN D to C he didn't say that specifically but that certainly seems to be the way that they're headed well maybe uh, ESPN plus and Hulu with live TV can get together in the orphaned products uh, category <laughs> <laughs> Yes. figure out something to do with each other <laughs> orphan ddc products in disney's portfolio <laughs> yeah. there's a group that there's a group people will employees at disney will be clamoring to work in for sure yeah you bet <laughs> okay you know, i think we'll leave it oh, well, sorry, go ahead, I, I got one i just got one more comment will and this is sort of a general comment about disney i had a friend visiting last week and we went to the Disney Family Museum, which is in the Presidio in San Francisco. Not many people know about this this museum, and I highly recommend it. It's a really great view of Walt's life and, and the Disney that he built. Uh, but that being fresh in my mind and listening to the call that we're, that uh, I just did for, for Q4 for Disney Disney results, Gosh, what a different company Disney is from what Walt built. He was all about fun for the audience. He t that was his big driving force. He had passion for projects and passion. he attracted passionate employees that became, quote, family. It, it was really a very, very different animal to Disney's, Iger's Disney, which is really seems to be all about money. I mean, can you imagine Walt Disney even thinking about including betting in anything? I think he would probably be turning in his grave at that thought. So, I, I don't know, it just, it just feels like such a different company now. And I don't know, that uh, Disney Museum made me uh, wistful for the Disney that was. Yeah, so it's not your father's Disney, in other words. Uh, you bet it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think, as you say, that's probably it for today. Yeah, and we'll no doubt be talking plenty more about the sports JV as um, the months roll forward. We learn more details, especially pricing. So everyone stay tuned on that. And uh, thanks, Colin. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.